Welcome back this week to another episode of the Rock Fit Files. I'm Rocky Snyder and in the house to finish up this season of The Successful Body. By the way, if you're not by now familiar with this book, The Successful Body, you should be. And if you want to get more familiar with it, then follow me on Instagram at Rocky underscore Snyder, S-N-Y-D-E-R. And each week this episode airs, a new follower on Instagram will be drawn and they get a complimentary copy of the book, The Successful Body. So this book, Successful Body, was the brainchild as well as another one or more that we're gonna find out by Eric Severson. Eric is my guest today and we're gonna find out how this idea formed and how it moved on to actually being materialized in the form of a book. So Eric, welcome on the show. Thank you, Rocky. Such a pleasure to be here. I've listened to a lot of your podcast uh, episodes and love them. So I'm just stoked to be here myself. Well, thank you. But you have been one of the providers of a lot of my guests in this season because each week this past year, we have been featuring one of the experts in the successful body and talking with them. And it's been such an educational journey for myself. I love learning all about health, wellness, fitness. We've had ourselves on mental toughness coaches, uh, experts in the field of keeping your home safe from toxins, nutritionists, strength coaches, personal trainers. So I get tidbits from everybody and I really appreciate it. So I know I'm going to get the same for you. But so tell me when it came to the idea Successful Body, first of all, that's not your first book, right? Right. So I've got two books that I wrote myself first. One's called Ordinary to Extraordinary. The next one's called um, Explore. And when I finished Explore, I realized I have another idea. I need to write a mindset book. And I figured it would take me two years to do it. And I had the whole book planned out in my head. But then I just thought, you know what? I don't have two years to get this book out. And so I thought, I'm going to reach out to some experts I know who know more about the mind and mindset than I do. And so I started reaching out um, with my assistant. And in three weeks, we gathered 33 experts from around the world. And we created the book, The Successful Mind. So this is the first book. And I thought this book, Rocky, was going to be a one and done. I had no idea this was going to lead to something more. But the creation of this with these 33 experts from around the world, we have a fire walking instructor from India, a pastoral counselor from South Africa, a yoga instructor, a medical doctor, all these people and a lot of like mindset coaches as well, of course, and all these people contributing and cross pollinating with each other to create this book. Um, and then the book did wonderfully. My first two books did great. This but did about 10 times as good as either of those two because of the power of all of us 33 authors promoting the book launch and and it was bestseller in the uk and in, in the us and and stayed there for a while so it was a really magical experience and I, I realized that it can't stop there i've got to create the successful body using fitness nutrition and mindset to live better and of course that's why i reached out to you to be part of that one so so and it's the, the last in the trilogy is the successful spirit and i'm that'll be out and about uh, in in summer 2021 wow this this summer yep boy all right well you've obviously got quite a, a few people working on typing away some chapters in there so it, how, how does it feel to take this idea and have it kind of dwarf or or, or not dwarf so much as uh, just change and alter into something even bigger what's, what's that been like 
it's it's really been magical one getting to know like you've gotten to know some of the authors from the successful body because you were part of it they were on your show and just all these different perspectives and that was my goal i could have easily gotten 33 authors who had the exact same idea about fitness and had a really robust book about strength conditioning for example or a really robust book about nutrition but instead i wanted very different perspectives so that people could get bite-sized chunks from different people in different areas of expertise. And that's kind of how, how it happened. And, you know, becoming friends with some of the authors and, and collaborating on other projects has, has just been wonderful. It's become really a, a magical situation where I feel like my place on earth right now is I'm getting these top experts from around the world and they're giving, they're able to provide bite-sized chapters for readers who are desperate for mindset and, and health, you know, these, these things that people are looking for, particularly mindset, um, whether it's nutrition, whether it's um, the, uh, whether it's sports, things like that. Everybody's starting to realize mindset's a big part of everything. So we have all these different people from medical doctors, like I said, to yoga instructors who are contributing. What's the mindset that can make people better in sports, better in business? And so it's a service I think a lot of readers are loving because there's not, there aren't a lot of other books exactly like it. Okay, so let's talk about the successful mind for a moment. The, the first in this trilogy that you've created, what, in your opinion, did you find as the common bond between each chapter? The common bond was that whether it be yoga, whether it be um, some sort of uh, meditation, or whether it be a, a strategy for business, the common a theme was it was a choice first to look at things differently, to, to use our mind. And for example, we have a choice if the glass is half empty or half full. You know, everybody has that choice basically. And most of the authors in the book, they try and steer people to see that everybody has the ability to have that glass be half full. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. It's a choice. It's a choice to, to, to the way our perspective is a choice. I got you. And out of all those chapters, which one would most resonate with you or, and, and which one, what, what other chapter came as a complete mind blow for you? Uh -huh. So one, so we, the, the perspective of course is huge. Like I said, we've got a pastoral counselor who wrote a wonderful chapter from South Africa. And we have a guy from, he's actually, I think he's in, he's in Costa Rica now. He does psilocybin trips for people as a guide, as a, uh, as a health for people going through trauma. And so they go down and they take, you know, mushrooms with him. So the, the, the perspective is so wide, wide, um, from your question, which one stands out? One of them that kind of jumps out quickly is a chapter about a, it's based on a fable. And then the author expands it. She really goes kind of deep into it. But the idea is there are these frogs who are, have a competition to climb this mountain and none of them can do it. And finally, this young, inadequate looking frog climbs the mountain. And then when they go to congratulate the frog, they realize that he's deaf. And the only reason he could climb the mountain is because he couldn't hear everybody saying the mountain was impossible to climb. Because he couldn't hear that it was impossible, he, out of all the other fit frogs, this is the one that climbed the mountain. Very good. Ah, nice. So you say you've written some other books. Let, tell me a little bit about the first two books that you authored yourself. Yeah, so the first was 
uh, Ordinary to Extraordinary. And this was basically, I wrote this for fun. Um, I've had some experience in my life. I hitchhiked from London to Zaire, which is now the Congo, of course. I lived with the Indians in South America for six months for anthropological research, lived in Paris for a while. I fought Muay Thai in Thailand. So I took these experiences that are kind of different from what a lot of people have had, and I put them into a, a group of 22 narratives, true first-person narratives um, about my life. And uh, I realized when I sent it to a Becca agent, he said, you know what, Eric, you and all your friends are going to love this. <laughs> and I said, that's not a compliment, is it? He said, no, not at all. It's all about you. So I spent a full year reworking that into how did I find meaning in my life? And I framed it around Emily S. Fahani Smith's book, The Power of Meaning. Um, how did I find purpose in my life? How did I find belonging? Uh, what transcendental moment gave me a sense of awe that changed my perspective? And lastly, um, storytelling. Those are her four pillars of meaning. And so I framed these chapters. How did I identify or create meaning in my life. And then the goal is that the reader can identify or create meaning in their life. And so, um, and it's just been a really fun process. And that led to a lot of public speaking. I, I ended up leaving my job doing international business development in January, 2020 to speak full time because of that one book. Oh, really? Yeah. And then of course that disappeared in March, 2020. And so uh, I started, that's when I started diving back into the books. And then my second book, Explore, is a continuation of that. It's just more of the exact same narratives from my life. That's me in 1989 um, walking through the Sahara or Morocco part of the Sahara. So um, yeah, so it's been a really neat journey. And Rocky, you know what? I was so depressed. Not Depressed might be the right word. Um, I was shocked. So here I am. I quit my job in January 2020. Um, I built up a pretty good schedule for public speaking. Um, March everything disappeared. So here I am in March, 2020, I've got no income lined up zero for 2020. Um, my wife wasn't working and I experienced a type of stress that I didn't know existed. Uh, I really kind of started to go into a funk and I didn't know if I could get out of it. And I literally said to myself, I've been teaching overcoming fear and I've been teaching managing stress for three years now. I thought, do I believe in what I've been saying for the last three years? I literally went back to my notes for different speeches I had given in different places and read through my outlines. And I, I had to ask a question, do I believe what I said? And the answer was yes. And I immediately found a solution, which was to, this book was 90% done for two years sitting on a shelf, the manuscript. And so I finished it in two weeks and got that book published and paid the bills for another month. <laughs> and then I started working on The Successful Mind. And so then books just, that was pretty much it for 2020. Wow. Oh mm -hmm. my gosh. There's so many things to ask you right now. I just, first, I guess, what was it like to feel that sense of that dark cloud on the horizon when COVID struck and you and your wife didn't have income coming in. I mean, I don't think we we really hear stories like that. They touch upon it a little in the news, but I mean, if you wouldn't mind sharing, like what was going through your head? Yeah, and it was really a sense of, also I'm pretty, you know, I'm not arrogant, but I'm pretty proud of myself. I'm confident of myself. And when I was in this position, when I didn't know, I knew I had money for five weeks into the future. So I was five weeks good. And, but I didn't know if I was going to be able to, you know, pay the bills for support my family five weeks in the future. And literally Rocky, I'd make enough money 
to go one more week. And I'm saying, okay, good. I'm good for six weeks. I'd make it a little bit of money. I'm good for seven weeks. So in my head, but before I started actually generating the money, there was a gap of about three weeks where I was kind of struggling. And I really dealt with, am I inadequate? Um, and these type of thoughts were really trying to penetrate me. Thank God they didn't capture my core. Um, because I was able to ask myself, do I believe these things, you know, that are, do I believe we can overcome fear? Do I believe we can choose um, happiness in any situation? And in the end, um, I did do, do exactly that. And so it was a choice to break out of it, but it didn't happen overnight, of course. It wasn't like, okay, I'm going to choose to be happy. And suddenly it was peaches and roses. It, I chose, and then I put my nose to the ground and I made a plan and then I started working on that plan. And that's when I started calculating, I've got enough money to pay the bills one more week. I've got enough for three more weeks, et cetera. And, and it ended up working out really well. By the end of the year, 2020 for my personal business was the best yet. And on 2021 is also projected to do really well. Oh, that is fabulous. So encouraging. Now, when it comes to the restrictions lifting and public speaking, not quite lifting off the ground, but maybe you've got some gigs lined up. I know I've got a few presentations I've been invited to, but it's not until October and November and so on. But is that something that you're reconsidering? I mean, are you going to get right back into that? Yeah, you know what? Right back into it sounds like I'm going to leave my books behind and jump back into that full swing. I'm definitely going to get into the back into the speaking. I've done, I finally acquiesced and did a few Zoom presentations um, of people who had hired me earlier and then everything was postponed or canceled. So I did a few of those. And um, then I have a few now that are lined up that were canceled last year that are coming back. And so I'm definitely gonna get back into it, but I don't want this run with the books to, to, to stop either. I'm gonna really continue going that direction. So I'll probably speak a little less than I would have, um, but at the same time, I don't want that to go away. I love the connection in front of an audience and just the, the, the Zoom is great. They can get the message, but the high fives, hugs and energy that's palpable in a room, um, I miss that. And I really can't wait to get back to that. How, how was that cultivated? Because, you know, we had Vince Stevenson, the fear doctor, who is the UK's leading expert in, in overcoming fear of public speaking. We talked at length about uh, the, the, the fear that people have. But how, how do you get your, your juices flowing with public speaking? And if you ever had a fear, was there anything to overcome with that? Absolutely. In fact, my my story, I like to say that everybody has their story um, that they've, they've kind of learned from that opened their eyes to their direction in life. And mine was having a machine gun in my mouth in Africa, in Nigeria, a guard, basically, uh, it's kind of a long story. I, stuck a machine gun in my mouth and just accusing me of being a spy. And, and I was so paralyzed with fear during that, that time. Then six weeks later, I have an interview. I'm back at community college at Green River Community College in Washington State. And I, I, a friend ran up with a job interview and, and it was in Japan, this job. And I so desperately wanted this job that I, 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 I applied, I got an interview and I studied some Japanese words to, to, to really impress them. I, I wore a suit for the first time in my life to, for an interview. So I'm 20 years old at the time. And then all of a sudden driving towards the interview, I started to feel really weird. And then when I tried to lock my car, when I got to the school, my hand was shaking so much, I could barely lock my car. And I realized that I'm really becoming overcome by fear. When I opened the door to, the, to where the interview was gonna be in the building, not the room, I couldn't even remember the Japanese words, let alone my name. And I realized that, oh my gosh, 
I'm frozen. And a little voice said, you know what, Eric, six weeks ago, you had a gun in your face. You want this job, but in the big picture, it's not that big of a deal. And Rocky, that changed my life. I took a deep breath. Everything I had studied came back to me. I relaxed because of the perspective that no matter how bad I thought I wanted that job, in the big picture, it wasn't that big of a deal. And so I can, I've continued that into business. And so when I speak publicly, I always am scared. Every single time, whether it's an audience of 15 or an audience of five, about my biggest is about 2,500. Um, 2,500, I'm always scared, but I don't call it scared. I call it uh, or nervous really as much as just, I, I, I enjoy this energy of excitement, but I do know we have to harness it because being scared makes us faster, sharper, stronger for short periods of time. So I wouldn't want to be totally not scared in quotes um, going in to speak in front of a, a lot of people because it's making me sharper. Um, I wouldn't want to be chased by a tiger, not scared. I'd rather be scared as heck so I could run faster. And that's the same thing with speaking. I try and channel it, but I do meditate. Um, I pray and I meditate before every one of my speaking sessions and that helps ground me. And then I also tell, remind myself I don't care how good I look. I try not to, because I usually have it. It's usually I have a videographer and everything. And sometimes I get caught up in thinking, oh, I hope I look good in front of the camera. And then I try and force those thoughts out and force my thoughts to, I hope I provide good material that people are going to really use and, and hopefully even change their lives. And once I focus on that, on the, benefit that the receivers of this are going to be rather than how quote in quotes again good I look suddenly the fear kind of vanishes and 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 the excitement helps me have a high energy speech well that that makes complete sense you know you mentioned you you hitchhiked from from Europe to the Congo I, I I'm just uh, I'm just blown away by that kind of idea uh what what was that if you don't mind I mean mm -hmm. Not to get off the track, but it's just so curious that, I mean, yeah, what, what I've hitchhiked myself. I don't recommend it to my kids or anybody else. And these days are a little different when, yep. when we're growing up and all that. And I did my fair share across the U.S., but going into Africa and deep into the Congo, what were you thinking? You know what, looking back, in fact, it wasn't far after that, that I realized that there was a lot of naivete to what I did, um, but it worked out great. Uh, like I said, not everything was good. I had a knife pulled out on me that was really serious. I had the machine gun in my mouth that was serious. Um, I, I had a few situations that were really not good. However, I learned how beautiful people can be. So why this all came about was um, in high school, I was a, I was a poor student growing up, you know, C minus average from grade school. I flunked the second grade um, all the way through 11th grade. In 11th grade, I just made a shift. I wanted to become a college professor and I realized college professors don't get C minuses. I worked a little harder, but immediately I went from C minus to an A average. Um, and then I wanted to go to UCLA and my counselor told me I would never get into a school like that. That's, that was my whole counseling session. My exit counseling session was, Eric, what do you want to do with your life? And I said, I want to go to UCLA. She said, you will never get into a school like that. Push yourself away from the desk and walked out. That was it. Um, so I applied to UCLA and they rejected me, <laughs> but I didn't give up. I could have listened to her then too. And then, so I went to a community college. I had no plan B, but I made a plan B to go to a community college, continued to get A's. But then I started looking at what happens when people apply to colleges like UCLA. I realized that there are a ton of four point students. And so I needed to do something totally ra radical to get their attention. So I just thought, why don't I go to Africa? Um, and so I mowed lawns for eight months 
to make enough money to do it. My parents first said no. I convinced them why it was a good idea. And in the end, I couldn't afford to buy a plane ticket to Africa. <laughs> so I could afford barely to buy a plane ticket to London. And so I hitchhiked all the way down through Europe on almost nothing. I was spending about $50 a month um, for that trip. Oh. And, yeah. And sleeping outside in my tent. And um, so I hitchhiked all the way down through Europe into uh, cross Gibraltar to Morocco and then over to Algeria through the Sahara down all the way, like I said, to, you know, through Nigeria, through Cameroon, CAR and, and ended up in, in Kinshasa. Oh, oh my gosh. So this was to go to UCLA. You decided I've got a great idea. I'm going to live off of $50 a month and, and hitchhike my way into a lot of political turmoil and, and death-defying kind of events in my life. And when you got to Kinshasa, I mean, what was waiting for you there? How did you get home? So, yep. So I actually had a ticket home from London. Um, and then I was supposed to go stay a little bit longer. And I ended up getting the, the same guy who had the machine gun in his in my mouth, he took my tent as a bribe to let me go finally. And so I was sleeping outside without a tent. And so I ended up getting malaria. And so I left on a medical emergency base. Well, I, I didn't even know I had malaria yet. I just knew I was sick. And so I flew, I did have enough to get back to London. So I flew from uh, Central Af Bangui, Central African Republic, just across the river from Kinshasa and uh, got to London and then uh, got back to the States and then, uh, you know, all, all, all was well. And UCLA accepted me, by the way. <laughs> yeah, so I, I got to know this, like you, you went on this adventure to get into C U UCLA. How did that happen? Like, did you just write down on your application, your, your, your life trials and tri tribulations of, of going there or what, how did that happen? And, and so I distinctly remember my second essay um, for applying to UCLA. And I remember clearly writing, um, I, I applied two years earlier and probably correctly so my application was rejected. However, since then, I decided to dedicate myself to being unique and as well as continuing my grades. And so on top of you know the, the grades that they can see, because I ended up getting the job in Japan too. So I spent some time there. So, so I definitely had a new uh, outlook on the world, a new perspective, a worldly perspective that I didn't before. And I think that they recognized that and thought that it was a, a good idea to accept me. And, and in the end I went and it was a great experience down there. And international business, what did you finish with? No, it was actually anthropology. And that started because of that hitchhiking trip through Africa. I realized how much I loved culture. And Rocky, everybody told me, that's the stupidest major you can major in. Unless you teach, there's nothing else to do. I went to, I went to grad school at UVA and continued in anthropology. And in the end, I, um, used I used it for international business development almost every single day. I was using my anthropology training uh, in business. So it did really well for me. Uh, tell me how, how, did, how did you use it? Uh, so for example, what happened was I was a fleet manager at Eagle Water, a motorcycle rental uh, company, and we had global locations already. And so there was a, a big argument going on between our international sales department and this guy in Italy. And I'd been following what was happening internationally a lot just because I like international things. And then finally I stepped in and I said, you know what, this has nothing to do with money, which what they were, what, what they were fighting over. And, and I said, let me handle this. And I want you to 
give me a position in international business development. And they knew my, my I, I accepted fleet management for about five years. So they knew I wanted to shift at some point. And so I went in, went to Italy, met with this guy. And rather than arguing over money, which we'd been doing for six weeks um, over this issue, this deal um, that was upcoming, I started treating him like the macho guy that he wanted to be treated like, because he's a super cool guy. And I was treating him according to more an Italian, you know, uh, with his, his ego was a big part of that, not saying he was arrogant, but ego was a big part of who he was. And so I had to deal with him on that in those terms. And it worked out really well. So I went into international business development. And for example, when we, when we were dealing with uh, people in China to open a location in Tibet, actually, we were working on that. Um, I had to, totally think in a different way and communicate in a different way. Opening Russia, I opened Sochi and, and Moscow. And dealing with somebody in Moscow is different from dealing with somebody in uh, St. Petersburg, Florida, for example. I get it. Okay, yeah. I understand. So it's much more of a cultural perspective and studying the cultures to understand the exactly. best way to go forward. Yeah, yeah. of course. Mm -hmm. well, I guess you you proved all your friends and family members wrong when you couldn't do something with it. Oh, that's a fascinating story. I actually uh, and now am intrigued to read your your book all about that. And so let's go back to the successful body now because I'm I'm curious how did you whether it's the successful mind the body or this upcoming the su successful spirit how did you recruit and where did you find what what were the parameters you were looking for with these awesome experts? Yep. So I definitely, so I had a virtual assistant and she would research people she thought was a good match for the book. And she would give me a long, massive list. And then I would just start looking at puzzle pieces. You were easy because I had your book on my bookshelf fit to surf. I, I had fit to surf on my bookshelf for you for quite a long time before that. And so I definitely, I wanted that aspect. In the end, you wrote about some, some of your paddling experience, which is cool across Monterey Bay. Just, and so your, your chapter fit that puzzle piece I was looking for. I was looking for somebody a little bit adventurous who also was in the fitness industry and um, having already had three books out yourself made it easy to know that you're a good writer. So, so that was an easy one. Um, for other ones, I go through through the list that my Dell is my assistant's name. And so I go through the list and I'll try and find unique things about them. And so that's, that's how I gather the, the authors. Okay. And uh, if you not, well, let's name some names then in the book, the successful body, the, the ones, obviously they, everyone had a unique approach, philosophy, mindset, well, which ones did you stumble upon that you weren't thinking about necessarily and said, oh my gosh, this would be a great addition. I hadn't even considered this aspect. Yeah. So one of them that quickly pops to mind is Wendy Kwan. And so I can't remember why, but we connected for some reason that wasn't book related. And then as soon as we connected once, I thought, you know what? She does a business mindfulness training, um, meditation in corporations. And she's just a superstar up in Canada. And so I, I, as soon as after our first interaction, it was probably three or four minutes later, I think she, I, she'd be a great match for this book. So I just lobbed it out at her. Hey, you know, Wendy, it's Eric again. By the way, I also have this other project working, going on. Um, do you think you'd, you'd be interested? And so that was just a, a, a great match. And so that happened with a few of them. And then some of them were people who were in the book who recommended somebody else um, that was also in a maybe parallel industry that, that would be a good match for the book. 
And so, so some of them were, were those. And when I would do Rocky for this one, particularly, I'd have Dell, my assistant look for, for example, I say, I want you to reach out to professional athletes. And then I'll say, okay, I want, I want business um, experts who are in fitness industry, for example. So I'll give her a little niches to, to narrow down onto. And, and in the end, I, uh, I'm really happy with the well-rounded, you know, body we created. Yeah. And it, knowing your background in anthropology, this makes so much more sense in the fact that you are actually gathering cultural perspectives. Mm -hmm. And in the same realm, just like you did with international business, you're doing it with the mind, the body, and the spirit. So uh, I'm curious with the upcoming book that you have, The Successful Spirit, did you want to draw from that same approach of, well, there's a whole bunch of different world religions. And yeah. of course, that, that can bring about a spirituality, but not necessarily. Um, mm -hmm. is, is that the path you took with this upcoming work? Yep. So for the successful spirit, uh, this is really clearly written um, on the in the back cover and also in the introduction is it's not about Buddha and Jesus, the spirit, but it's about the fighting drive spirit. And so I reached out to first, I started with Olympic athletes. And then um, at the same time, I, I was connected with Paralympic athletes. And that was just wonderful. So I have a, a few of medal winners in both of those um, in, in that book. And so I looked for people who basically overcome something big in their lives to do something something spectacular so one of the guys grew up in Accra Ghana um, and he ended up becoming a Olympic athlete and judo in for I think he fought for France or the UK he lives in the UK now and so so his his story another guy is was mugged as a child with a gun to his head in inner city Cleveland and Kendrick Williams is his name and he uh, ended up becoming a Paralympic uh, judo champion as well, go, uh, medal winner, because um, he's, he's blind. And so it was really neat just to start exploring to see who's out there with these crazy great experiences. Another one is Taryn McCartney. She, I was just on her podcast recently too. Um, she had everything she wanted. She wanted to be an orthodontist. She wanted to have her own practice. She wanted to have a big house. She wanted to have a good car and a great family. She had all of them and she was desperate, Rocky. She couldn't figure out why, why, why is my life horrible when I have everything I was looking for. She kind of left it all and abandoned everything. She discovered herself quickly, thank God, and she got it all back. Same house. No, I don't know, same house, but same family, everything she had before, same practice, um, um, or at least a, a practice. And so she had to step out of the life that everybody expected for her and find herself and then that same exact life to the T pretty much, except for her mind was different, um, was, was, was beautiful. And so that's another example of somebody with a successful spirit that, that she overcome this, this, this challenge to create the life she wanted to live. So these aren't all necessarily life-threatening situations no. or death experiences, but I mean, near spiritual death experiences perhaps, but boy, mm -hmm. That's something else. So how do you filter through all of these individuals? I mean, you've already told us a little bit in that regard, but uh, when it comes to some of these stories, there's, I'm sure they kind of are on the fence. You're like, well, that could be good. You mm -hmm. almost become an editor in a way, I imagine, where you're trying to pull a little bit more out of your, out of your speakers, your authors, and so on. But uh, other ones you get, must get blown away. What, what is that like to try and jostle all these around? 
You know what? That's actually a much bigger piece than I imagined it would be. You're right, uh, Rocky. I'm a, I have a professional editor named Nancy. She edited, you know, your chapter as well as everybody else's um, in, in our book. And so, but before I get her that chapter, I go through all or that the manuscript, I go through all of the chapters really thoroughly. And I sometimes ask for, you know, a few extra things from people. And it's a, it's a, it's a lot to try and gather that. Um, but it's a really important step, I think, to make the book cohesive as well as unique for each chapter. Uh, and then Nancy gets it and she does her magic of, you know, she re, you know, reorganizes things a little bit. And that's where, you know, she also does the, all the dotted dotted i's and crossed t's and everything like that but yeah it's a big job and even people though who have the exact same job for example i might have two let's see uh two entrepreneurs that have are even in a similar field two life coaches let's say um but their messages are so totally different because their perspectives are so totally different that it still works really well but yeah it's a, it's a big job to get the chapters all you know fit together. Okay. And then here's, here's a question I was just thinking about too, is that it's very easy to choose people that follow along with a certain kind of belief system that you have yourself, like you mm -hmm. resonate with this person or that person. Have you chosen any of the previous or future authors here in the upcoming book of the previous ones that actually really conflict with your own belief? And yet you felt it important to put them in to balance things out or to challenge your own belief system. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I don't think that my central belief is the whole view of this book. I do love it when I find somebody who has a message that I resonate with, but I also like it when I find somebody who, who's got a message quite different from mine. So for example, I uh, eat meat and I really like meat. I grew up, we had my grandma and grandpa had cows on their, their farm and meat is a big part of, of my diet. Um, but at the same time, I've got in the book, I've got people who are talking about the beauty of of vegetarianism or even being vegan. And so um, that's not my my thing, but there's a value in it. And it's good for a lot of people, I think. And so I definitely think that that's it. Also, I told about the guy who does the, um, the psilocybin trips for people. I don't recommend that everybody go take a psilocybin trip. However, and I'm probably not going to anytime in the near future. However, he's got such a beautiful message of why he does it, how, what the effect is, that I think it's a message that um, could be out there. And there might be that one person, Rocky, that that's a exactly what they need. Whereas it might be the same thing that somebody resonates with the pastoral counselor in South Africa, or um, in this last book, um, the successful um, uh, spirit, there's another a guy, he's a servant leader, he calls himself, and he's also works with youth basketball and things like that. And he's, he's got a great message in there as well. So and that's totally different from some of the other messages in there that might talk about meditation and Buddha as their guiding force. So I love it. I, I love the fact that there's so much inclusion and, mm -hmm. and you're not having exclusivity and, and uh, turning those away because they don't resonate with a certain direction or, or belief. Because like you say, yeah, it, it, one reader could take so much and resonate with one chapter while somebody else really needed to hear this. Or Absolutely. This. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what, I, Rocky, this, this, this is really good for me too, because I've, I've been generally been relatively fit in my life, um, played sports growing up and everything, but it's so easy to get into patterns that are a little bit uh, less active. I know your thing is perpetual motion. Um, I, I realized 
that's something that I need to do. And so I, I, I try to keep moving, even if it's not, you know, jogging six miles a day, maybe it's actually my kids and I have a rule that we're now on about 400 days streak without breaking one single day. It's either jog a mile, which we did for over a year straight, or ride a bike three miles, or there's some sand dunes by our house in Manhattan Beach that, um, that you know, you go up and down. It's really, really tall and strenuous. So we do that circuit three times. So we haven't missed one single day in about 400 days. Uh, even when I broke my toe, one of my kids was sick. We kept, we keep it up because we want that to be our base minimum of exercise. And then if we do something else that day, if we go surfing, we work out, we go for a hike, that's on top of our base exercise for the day. And it's been really fun to have that goal, not to break the streak. Wow. Oh, I love that. It's your, your own family challenge in a way. And mm -hmm. you get to do it together too, of course. And so you're, you're supporting one another in this journey. So yeah, that, that's fabulous. So you know, I can't believe this, this conversation goes so quickly and time flies by. It's just insignificant that, uh, you know, I, I would never count the minutes because before you know it, here we are. If yeah. people, if, if people want to find out first, your first two books, I imagine all these are just like the successful body. You can find it on Amazon, yes. but for, for those that don't appreciate the big booksellers and i want to include everybody here that enjoys reading or even listening perhaps to audiobooks or whatever how can people find these aside from the typical big bookseller names yep yep so they're the definitely at amazon they're on there um you can find them on barnes and noble target so all of the big retailers they're in and that's that's sadly that that is the easiest one all yeah. of the information for my books is also on my website which is just my name ericseverson.com and so that's kind of a launching pad for some of the speaking i do some of the coaching i do some of the teaching some of the other books the, the books is a big part about it um and there are a few fun photos of, of some of the things that that have been going on but so that's kind of the, the launch pad to to find some of the books, but you can generally find them at most retailers um, if, if you look for it. Excellent. We'll make sure that we'll put the information in the description with this podcast. And then just maybe if you could give us a hint or a sneak peek at your ideas with other works moving into the future now that you're about to complete the trilogy with the successful spirit, what's next up for Eric Severson? Okay, so the successful spirit... Uh, just like the successful mind was something magic happened and it led to the next to the next. So then as I was finishing the getting authors for the successful spirit, uh, two of them said, you know what, Eric, I really want to be part of this book. But every time I talk about this book, successful spirit, people think I'm talking about Buddha and Jesus, but um, would you do another book that has a similar message just branded differently? So I've got two, it's going to be two books and one's called winning mindset. And the second is called winner's mindset. And basically it's the same message, almost how do we harness the inner strength of to, to get a gold medal? How do we harness the inner strength to really succeed in business? And so it's that kind of a similar message of determination, drive and focus, but also balanced with sometimes we need to step back. We need to meditate. We need to slow things down in order to go, go forward. So those two books will probably both be out um, within a year. Wow. Well, you don't stop. That's for sure. I guess. Absolutely. Yeah. In the literary world, you're in perpetual motion. Yeah. Aside from with your family challenge. So Eric, this has been such a great time. I really appreciate you taking a little time out of your, of your writing and your, your organizing and uh, everything else that you're getting ready to do for this year as things open up. And uh, 
yeah, I just wish you the best. Thank you so much. You too, Rocky. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. It's been fun to get to know you. You're a superstar. Like I said, I've been reading your books for a while and I sure appreciate it. Right on. Well, that's it for another episode of the Rock Fit Files. I want to thank Eric Severson for coming on and thank you for listening. And be sure to follow us on Instagram, Rocky underscore Snyder, S-N-Y-D-E-R. Follow along and you can find out a whole bunch of things in the world of health and fitness. Until next week, have yourself a good one. Stay safe and stay healthy.